What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Power Stroke Tech Talk podcast. This is number 24, and we have some returning guests and a new guest here uh, down at the bottom. His name is John. We have uh, reached out to him, and he is a local uh, TV and radio auto journalist and he is going to sit and talk with us about trucks, about autos, about what we do with them and how they affect our lives, just power strokes, gas. We have it all coming here, talking about it. Uh, John McElroy, Matt Roden, DS Trucks. We are all here live. And um, I want to start off uh, letting everybody know, uh, for those of you that cannot watch us on YouTube, uh, make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, TuneIn, and Podbean, so that you guys can all have fun with us and listen to Matt and DS bicker about oil. <laughs> Um, but John, uh, thing. welcome. Uh, why don't you just kind of tell us briefly about, uh, who you are and, um, uh, how are you affecting, uh, the automotive industry? What, what, what do you contribute to the automotive world? Yeah, well, first off, hi guys. Great to have, you know, me on with you. This is going to be fun talking to anything automotive, uh, I've been covering the automotive industry for my entire career. You know, what got me into it was I'm a hardcore car nut. I've been an enthusiast since I was a kid. You know, just just love the machines. Uh, love driving fast. Did some racing. Amateur stuff, totally amateur stuff. But that's what got me interested in cars. And uh Went to college, had no idea what I wanted to do getting out of it, but thought, you know, it'd be cool to work for a car magazine. And that's what I, I really started to, to put all my efforts into it and uh, was able to do that. And then as I learned more about the automotive industry, it was like, damn, this thing is as interesting as the cars and, and the people in it are really interesting. I mean, there's some real idiots too, some real jerks but there's some really smart people in this industry, some really innovative, creative people. And uh, so I've been excited to, to cover it and you know what's going on in the industry now, you know, all this move to electrification and autonomy and you know, who knows where it's all gonna go is, uh, is just unreal. But you know, the, the, the foundation of it all is the product. I mean, you know, if you don't have a good product, the rest of the industry doesn't matter. That's right. So anyway, in a nutshell, you know, that's, uh, you, you mentioned it. I do a television program. I, I, I do radio reports in the Detroit area. Uh, I've got a website, autoline.tv. That's where all my content really is. I got a really good crew. Uh, we do, uh, uh, everything there on our website. We got a YouTube channel and the like too. So in a nutshell, that's what I do. That's awesome. That's, cool. that's, that's way cool. Um, I think touching with, with just the automotive industry and, 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 
and people in it is this is also just a, a trade that we are, are passing on to the next generation because just how how you learned more about the automotive industry it's how I learned from my mentor and um, you know the reason why I got started with Fords and and specifically diesels and you know I pass that learnings on to another individual and he is, you know, so it's cool to see, you know, that, that learning transpire into somebody else and keep this rolling. This is getting to be a lost, I don't want to say a lost trade, but that, that, you know, those old timers that knew, knew the vehicles and it's just so computery and all, I mean, you see all these trucks. It's becoming more intimidating for the average Joe to turn a wrench. Most definitely, you're not fixing these trucks at home, Speaking or even these of, new cars. There's no way. You know what? Technology. And I really want your input on this, Aaron. The new VR headset that Mercedes came out with, I don't know, a couple months ago, to aid technicians in diagnosing, and now Ford's jumping on board. Is that something you see yourself using, or you're just going to... Nope. I have actually. I haven't even heard of anything like that. You haven't. No. All right. So there's gonna be there's gonna be VR for diagnosing boards. Well, it's gonna be altered reality, really? right? So you're gonna have cameras. It's a little headset you're gonna wear. It's gonna have I don't cameras think, on it. I don't think the Fords are. I don't think the Fords are that complicated yet. I mean, oh, dude. Damn. Well, they're getting there, it. I guess. That would but be next level. The, that's the like a hundred years away, I would think. Oh no. The need of VR to diagnose a vehicle. So the whole idea is that if you're in, you know, you're talking with the technical assistance center or engineering or whoever, if they have a concern developing that they don't have um, anything out for, they can share that with you. And with altered reality and all the cameras on it, they can highlight it and be like right there in that harness, that yellow and white wire what? is taking no down this. They'll circle it for you, do whatever that's cool. Wow. No, that's I've cool, but it seems before. like you could just you could just like screen share and do that. Um, I mean, yeah, but the whole thing is that it's just gonna pop up like what would it is cool, like an eight inch tablet that you can it's basically cool. see right through. It seems so, like it seems like if you really had that, like how annoying would it be that you can't turn them off? Like, what if you can't even turn them off? Oh, I mean, I, it's like a last ditch effort, kind of like when you have a field okay, service yeah. engineer come out. It's not like, like maybe you're going to maybe use... the, maybe the shop just has one of them. Yeah, because it's I think the headset is like four thousand dollars, and then there's like a yearly subscription that the dealer has to pay. But a lot of the old heads are like, yeah, man, I don't like that. That's stupid. It's just another way for them to skin the I, back. And I got a, I got a good, I got a good, I got a good point though. I would, Aaron, you know, there was a thing with my truck, a check engine light, whatever. I didn't, even, we didn't even tell you yet, Matt, the, the wrench came up on my 450. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. It was something with the transmission and it was uh, a but tell them, but t- tell them what was, what was the scenario that you were getting? You got the wrench light, the you check know, engine light, you know and what, what was it doing? It's, it's, it's uh, something with these 10 speeds that I've noticed when I, when plowing snow, you put it in drive and then it goes and drive a little bit hard. I've mentioned that on this show before. And then you put it in reverse, it goes in reverse a little hard. And it's mm-hmm. always done that. But it was a ton of snow. And I'm in four-wheel drive. I'm going in between properties. And all of a sudden, the wrench comes up. And I'm just going at like 35, 40 miles an hour in the snow. Wheels are spinning. Wrench comes up. And then after that, 
I get to the site, and then when I put it in drive, there's a delay before it actually shifts, and then it shifts even harder, a little bit harder, and then you put it in reverse, and there's a delay, and then it shifts hard. So it just did that. I tried turning it off, turning it back on. The wrench stayed around. It went away the next day, and then I took it into Aaron's shop. He scanned it. It had some code stored. The vehicle now was behaving normally, like it always does. Shift solenoid uh, F, or yeah, it said nine. Or yeah, no, it said something about uh, something about the speed in ninth gear, or some kind of speed was improper in ninth gear or something. But there's ratio. a TSB for it, a TSB yeah, and an SSM for that. We've something about that. the ratio in ninth gear. We've but I would even before. wonder, like, how do they know what, like, what's what's going on with ninth gear? I wonder if, like, just spinning the tires for in snow for that long because it was like uh, eight inches of snow. I don't think so, but um, I think I think, in my opinion, that these trucks, since uh, obviously the 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 ten speed portion has come out, um, they've gotten some more real world use out of them because i mean yeah we can simulate you know the dudes uh in dearborn with you know weight on the back of the vehicles or driving uh, and all that gauntlet or whatever but when you got uh johnny johnny uh a hoo-ha over here driving his 450 in real conditions right loaded to the gillies you know I, now ford is going to load these trucks up accordingly and and make it to the vehicle it can't, GW it can't and, be reproduced in a lab uh, yeah and be it totally fair but you right. you know damn well that's not what the average customer is doing there are don't get me wrong sean myself ryan anybody i work we have enough know-how that we know that you know you don't want to be have your your lights pointing at the the treetops that's 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 not how it works but you got these dudes who do that so now that we have these trucks being worked and we're not saying yes has got an issue but we got things going on with these 10 speeds and i and there is a a a statement in the ssm that there's going to be a mid-march uh recal available so if that's going to come out there's going to be another tsb i'm not going to say a recall I, I would think maybe more tsb uh for vehicles saying uh if you have a 2020 and it's got six seven and it's got a, a 250 350 450 and exhibits this concern uh reprogram the tcm and update you know the change the trans uh, shift strategy and and learning uh what have you but um I don't want to say right now that there's something wrong with this trans. Obviously, if there was something wrong with it, don't you agree, Sean, that it would have been messed up the next day? I mean, for it to yeah, not it seems be like, messed up. It seems like uh, when it's some kind of a safety mode where the line pressure got ramped up or something to minimize shifting hard. But, you know, hopefully it can be fixed with a program and not having to go in. And because it was either go in and do a valve body. Mm or do a reprogram so if they can fix this without going in there more power it's a it's a programming issue john have you had uh, a privilege to drive any of the new ford super duties the any of the the not super duties i've driven the new f-150 various models of that okay yeah 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 uh spent some time in that uh 
probably last November. So they had us out to Romeo Proving Grounds mm, to be able to drive them out there and in the area around that. Did you able film? to do a lot of towing and stuff. Uh, I was impressed with the truck. Now, did you have a gas version? Did you have hybrid or? Had both, uh, n- did not have a chance to get into diesel, was in the, the gas and the hybrid. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I know we had a, just got a couple of the um, the power boosts, and I mean they're they're pretty sweet. Um, yeah, I mean I don't people can say <laughs> all they want about hybrids and you know electric vehicles. I think they're awesome, and I I'm they embracing the sweet. way that the industry is going, and the fact that those trucks look good and they look futuristic and they kind of fit the whole deal. I'm I'm here to stay with it. I'll I like it. So now, if you don't, I I don't know what to tell you. Speaking of, of, you know, a good thing John brought up earlier about, uh, you know, being in industry and, and, and talking about it going into electrification, there's, okay, if you want to make the best selling truck in the world, the F-150, and you want to make it electric, awesome. You want to make our cars, cool. Our little sport utes, cool. Bronco, eh, people may not want that right up first, but Super Duties, Super duties, no, no, no. Super duties are forever always going to have to be a fossil fuel. Super duty, super duties are a work truck. We have well s- for dude, technology right now. This. I think you're right. They can't make that battery stretch out as long as a no. hundred gallon tank of diesel can. But they I will can, say though. this: they can. Eventually, they will. I mean, eventually, they'll have a. Unless well, they got some alien technology that we don't right. know about and some sweet sure. batteries are about to come out in the next but couple here's, of years. But I here's mean, a good point to that. There definitely needs to be a transition how they put this hybrid technology in the 150s. It definitely needs to hit the Super Duties. Not because you can drive on electric, but to have that power output on a Super Duty where you could power, no, even, if it no. out, even if it came out at a power takeoff, because they do okay. have those kits available. I could see if that. If you could that be power cool. job sites and because a diesel engine is going to make way more electrical power than the F-150 platform, which makes like 7.2 kilowatts or something. I think, I don't know, double check that. I think it's all kind of, but the, the, but but there's kits on the super duty that'll make 70 kilowatts. Yeah. They just drive it right off the PTO. And what's the F-150 making? I think it makes 7.2, but you have to double check that out. But that's off the traction motor. Right. Mm. So that's the traction motor. Is it something between the engine and transmission? How do they do it, Matt? Yeah, it's basically in the bell housing. Yeah, it's in between the torque converter and the pump. What's What's interesting is, is there a pump in between there, or is it like a? Does it's it, gotta be like some special you, torque got, converter or something. You've got torque converter, traction motor, and then your um, transmission pump. If I remember correctly, I don't have the. Um, so that to me sounds shop manual pulled up, but that I sounds was, uh, more complicated than uh, just having like a power takeoff. Because if it's between, uh, yes and no, because your converter's already. I mean, your your input shaft's always spinning, right? The converter's always spinning. That stuff's always spinning, and then usually well for I'm service like, purposes, but. Uh, yes and no. But you can't be driving, I, I you'd what, have to be stationary, obviously. For whatever he'd be talking about, you know, using the PTO. Well, no, you can put it in like split shaft mode so you can run, oh. you know, you can run them up at certain RPMs and whatnot. Um, 
Right. So you have to be stationary, but the PTO set up relatively. I could see Ford doing a medium duty truck that's full electric. That would be directed at your guys that are utility companies, right? They're not going very far. So they don't, they don't, I mean, those trucks usually don't get a lot of miles on them or guys that are in like telecommunications. If they're going to plug in every night. Yeah. Like we, we honest to God have a customer that has a fleet of probably a hundred super duties. And we will do an EGR cooler on one of those trucks once, at least once a year. Just from idle. All they do, all they do is sit there and idle. They pull up to the towers and the truck just sits there and idles solely for the purpose of charging batteries for like power tools. What kind of inverter are they running? Or is it like a PTO setup? No, they're they're running inverters. Yeah, like in the back boxes or whatever. Like a big, a big boy inverter that runs off of the uh, alternators. But I, I don't, John, do you, do you see it going that way? Do you not? I mean, do you dabble a lot with the, with that or? No, no, I, I look, I, I follow the truck segment too, all, all the way up to the class eight semis. Okay. And oh, wow. what you guys are talking about is, is spot on. I mean, you know, <clears throat> imagine being able to take any truck to a, a job and it's your generator. You're not hauling another generator in the back of the thing. Right. Right. And, yeah. uh, uh you know, no one can go and steal it out of the back of your truck. It's built right into it. I think yeah. that's going to become more common. You know, the, the problem with the, the hybrid F-150 right now is, man, it's pricey. Right. But, you, know, definitely. you know, wait until these things come off lease and stuff like that. You know, wait till they're three to five years into the market and they become a whole lot more affordable that way. And uh, I think people are going to love having onboard generators. I think yeah, that would just be for a the good peace seller. of mind. Knowing that you could uh, have power, you lose power at home, you could tie it into the to the to the grid of your of your own property and have that peace of mind would be nice. Well, did it, that happened down in Texas. Big story about a guy who had uh, the F one fifty hybrid plugged it into his house. Ran his furnace, had TV, drinking coffee, had his neighbors wow. come over to ch- you know charge up their cell phones. I mean, this is all over the news. And then yeah. Jim Farley, and- the the president of Ford, CEO, told all the Texas dealers, "Hey, get those uh, uh, anyone with hybrids on your lot, get them out, start loaning them out to people." Wow, I, I thought I it was a real smart many- move. I wonder how many they loan. Yeah, good question. Good question. Yeah, you know, probably not a whole lot. Yeah, right. That's because I see these stories and I'm like, I want to see a number. They're like, we loaned two thousand F one fifties. I was was really hoping I was gonna like log into Ford on Monday morning and I was gonna see they had like a immediate release. We've loaned out over five thousand trucks. Did you check, Matt? What on like Oasis or something? Can you do well, that? I mean, I'll, I'll check on like FMC dealer every morning yeah. just to see what, you know, what's going on in Ford world. I was really hoping I was going to see some. Let's err on the side of caution. They loaned a ton of trucks out. You know, they loaned, it wasn't just publicity. They probably loaned yeah. a bunch of them out just because they're, they're great. They're great guys over at Ford. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm really missing? And I, and I think everybody here is going to agree, especially if you're in the Detroit region. Uh, well, in this greater Detroit, Chicago land, I mean, Ohio, the Detroit International Auto Show. 
where is the auto show it is this whole COVID 19 has absolutely put a hamper damper on everything um and it's one thing that i remember going to when i was little um we'd get up and go on saturday mornings and it was an all day event eat downtown you know dinner and didn't come home till it was dark um and we really looked forward to it and um it kind of sucks uh, uh, that we haven't been able to go, but it's like the first time that they actually made some changes over the some whole big changes, yeah. 30 years of having or however long it's been and we couldn't enjoy it. But uh, I think once it first or at first, uh, once it reopens, uh, John, uh, uh, he can chime in. It's going to be outdoors and, and inside just kind of, um, uh, didn't they ha say it was going to be like a uh, people can just roam just freely from inside to outside just with the exhibits, whatever they're going to have on the, I don't know what, what they were talking about uh, having on the outside, but um, they said it was just going to be a huge complex instead of it just being all ho housed in one, in one building. Um, what we couldn't enjoy it because of COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No COVID, uh, it's ruined a lot of things. It's ruined a lot of auto shows, not just in Detroit, all of them, in fact. Yeah. But yeah, so here's the thing. They're, they're not going to do the Detroit Auto Show this year in downtown Detroit. They're moving it out to Pontiac, where there's a private motor club called the M1 Concourse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're going to call it Motorbella. And they're going to, it's all going to be outdoors. It's, uh, I think, the first week of October are the public days. And uh, they, they want to bring a bunch of cars, a bunch of stuff. Hopefully you have driving on the track that's there. You know, there's a small racetrack there. Uh, but, you know, next year they want to very much go back downtown Detroit. Oh, and then like hopefully, you were saying, Aaron. Hopefully they do. Hopefully they do, right. And, yeah. uh, and open it up to downtown. I mean, you know, you got the whole riverfront there. It's a beautiful area. And, you know, for people coming out of town, you know, they've always come to Detroit in January. Well, geez, it's so damn cold I and know, it's slushy. I and know. so now they're going to be able to come to Detroit because next year it'll go back to June again and it's going to look fantastic mm -hmm. and, uh, and get people outdoors. They're going to bring in all kinds of music, all kinds of craft beers, food trucks you know the whole nine yards make it all right right on <laughs> love the beer <laughs> bottle there and yeah. uh yeah uh make it much more than just cars on a carpet you know try to turn it into a much bigger event with all kinds of entertainment especially food and music i think, it, I think that would that'll, be that'll bid pretty well with man people more my age because everyone wants to go to like a music festival now so you start on and the hours and it's yeah i mean i maybe they took some and of that food. idea from from grid life and yeah there seems yeah. to be a boom and everything but hopefully things start opening up you know in the hope year so from too now. yeah it's, i think uh, once things do open up it's gonna just be pow right in the kisser just full force everyone's gonna try to outdo everyone because it's me, like we're me back and to, matt me and Mike you know, or me and matt might the floodgates hug. of <laughs> once they once COVID's over we'll just hug uh, we're gonna poor have fellas. A, uh, if you guys, you know, put in the comments, whatever, however you communicate. Um, if you want to see a pay-per-view boxing event between Sean and I, 
<laughs> I'm down. I'm down for that. I'll probably get rocked, but <laughs> too um, funny. I want to. I do want to say something though, because you were talking about that VR thing. Yeah. I want to be I, one. Here's one technology. It's not as far out as the VR thing, but when that wrench popped up on my 450, I was thinking this one thing. All right, I don't have a scan tool. I loaned it out to somebody. I don't know where it's at, and it's probably not good enough. It was an Acron uh-huh. regular. Doesn't right. it ain't ready for a diesel. Regular jugular. Did you and, just give Aaron? Aaron priority has your VIN. Did you just have him punch your truck in PTS and it showed him everything? No, we. I just went up there. I can do that. He can do it wirelessly or what? Yeah. Well, it so does the vehicle you, health report. Yeah. If you have four, if you have bypasses, so, so that next, was called. If Ford you have pass, telematics, yeah. if, if you have Ford Pass or telematics hooked up, you can scan remind, my vehicle from from remotely. Uh, basically. Well, thank, well, next time so we, we got to do it that way. We've had this thing happen, too, where customer, you know, buys their truck. They go out. A couple weeks later, check engine light pops on. We get a call from Ford saying, hey, this person's going to be in. We need you guys to look at it. We already have an update for you guys. So they know. You, so Ford send, already knows yeah. that my old lady's check engine light for some emissions related thing has been on and I have not addressed it. So they know I'm ignoring it. Oh, yeah. Oh, and they're about dang, to tell I you how to fix face. it too. Yeah, like we got well, we got a phone well, call. Well, here's email. the thing. Here's the thing. Why can't they just tell me what the code is on the infotainment? Just tell me the code <laughs> number. That's a great <laughs> idea. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> the, the, all it's this technology, all sorts of poking and prodding, and yeah, AutoZone had a though, sensor, so I put the AutoZone sensor in it. But that's here's the thing: I can go to AutoZone, they'll pull a code. So why not just tell me the code? What you're just telling me? To, you're not, you know, as well as everybody else here. Just because you have the code doesn't mean necessarily that you can fix it. True. But why can't I just know? Why don't I? Why do I got to look at a wrench? Why can't you just tell me if I want to know? Well, well you could I mean, warn me. You uh, could yeah. warn me. Warning. You I'm, should not. I'm in the school of thought that sometimes information is too much of a headache. Yeah, maybe true. Because then everyone knows what the code is and they think they know. It's oh, better yeah. just to sometimes uh, be you're better. Sometimes less is more. Just technology. Put the blinders on the owners and let us deal with it. With, with these trucks and, yeah. and how all this stuff is now, I remember back when, you know, first starting off in, in the 2000s, um, you know, actually having to, I mean, not that you don't think now, but there were everything, there's nothing was so computer-based. It was, you know, a, a different way of diagnosing stuff. Well, and, it's so complicated now. Like if, if it didn't have a computer, I wouldn't know what to do. Like if it was just a plain oh, carbureted, yeah. I would I mean, be like, can't talk to her. Yeah. Yeah. You can't like do when nothing. you, when you think about it, it's almost hilarious that you this, gotta smell it. This one sensor can take down an entire network in literally like the way to diagnose it is, Oh, well, I got this code on this. Okay. All right. Let's look at the wiring diagram. Oh, that codes for, well, I'm just going to start unplugging stuff and see what happens. And usually that's, oh, okay. That sensor took down the, the whole network. And it's even as, you know, advanced as stuff is, it's still kind of basic, but yeah, it's not like the computer, when you scan it, it tells you the solution. You still got to no. like investigate. No, just Aaron, put it you, on the scope. My, my favorite thing in, um, you know, they're, 
explanation for why we went to modules for everything is it's supposed to multiplexing is so much quicker and it's supposed to cut down uh, how many wires are run through a vehicle and the amount of wiring used oh and everything. Goodness. So now we have like literally miles of wires that are the size of like a human hair. Mm. And that's Mm-mm. supposed to cause less problems. John, do you think you you see all these electronics getting to this point and and this tech as where we are now? Like if you look back, you know, 30 years and you look now, like, do you remember looking back saying like, man, we're going to, oh, wow. Look, I remember Ford's first engine computer, the EEC, the electronic engine computer. Back in the I remember... (laughs) <laughs> I remember one of the engineers who worked on it told me, he says, you know, this has got 16K of memory. How are we ever going to use all that? <gasps> oh, man. <laughs> if only he knew now. If only he knew now, right? Oh, my God. It's, it's only going to get more complicated. It, it's going to get oh, yeah. even more than it is right now. It's like, what's next? I you just know what's kind I of remember funny, John. when we claim stuff for warranty. We still say EEC on it. No kidding. <laughs> it's kind of funny, and they still claim it that way. So it's like, yes, performed EEC diagnostics. Electronic. I remember working on cars in the streets way back, you know, 10 years ago, the Wild West deal, because there was a lot of cars on the road pre-96. So you had to ask, is that a 96 or a 95? Because if it's a 95, Everybody had their own computer. Every manufacturer had its own computer platform. So you couldn't scan it. You'd have to like, ODB2 wasn't out until 96 where you could have even use a scan tool. You had to figure it out without a scan tool. You'd have to count blinks and (laughs) things like that. Jump pins, count blinks. Like now everything's got to be universal in the United States. At least I think, I don't know if it's, it's probably worldwide that, you yeah. can scan any vehicle. It's like those those, those um, protocols. Those um, OBD two is just like a North American. Is it North American only? Yeah, I don't know. What well, did they plug in overseas? Uh, they probably they probably had to get on board just because of cost. A nine pin or a fourteen pin over there. They got a different they got a, a cir- different plug yeah, over there in a in a circular connector, and theirs are usually located under the um, hood. Wow, but. I guess I've never had the opportunity to check that out. That'd be kind of weird. We have a computer program that we use at work um, to work on all these trucks. It's called IDS and FDRS. Um, and it's a forward-based uh, scan tool. Um, you know, we can use any laptop. We download uh, the, the software from the site. And we have this little, you know, red, red brick uh, that allows us to communicate between the car and the, the computer and... Um, you know, I, I think over all, all the brands, because uh, I've seen what Chrysler uses, I've seen what GM uses, I, I think Ford has the best diagnostic stuff. I mean, in the beginning, it wasn't, you know, it was primitive, but mm. now, I mean, it is, IDS is my favorite. I'm still learning FDRS, especially with these 2020s, because... Um, Everything 2020 is now uh, FDRS, but uh, IDS is my my go-to. I'd probably have to agree with you on that. Um, 
when I first started. Dude, no, come on, camera, don't do this to me. Oh, you're just frozen. I'm don't worry, half we can, again. I'm frozen worry, we can, in half. We can again. hear you. Just continue. <laughs> there oh, there go. you go. There you go. <laughs> there's one concern glazed over me. That's so funny. There's me. Um, no, when I was, you know, at community college doing the auto program, um, kind of like the tech two and GM stuff. But once I started using IDS, I was like, dude, this is so <laughs> user friendly and it makes so much sense. Was it tech two web-based as well? Or was it like, uh, tech two was just like handheld. Yeah. It's like its own little thing, kind of like the what was the old Ford PDS, PDS, or I NGS. But that was back then. Like we don't know if GM. They might be web based now too. Probably. I think they are. And then the um, the Mopar ones or FCA now, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. That's all. It's, uh, that's. I wonder. Y, I wonder tech, if. But it's all Bluetooth dongles, and then they have a router in the shop. Oh wow! And that just causes all sorts of problems. Mm-mm. Like mm-hmm. most, most stores I know just, oh, it goes bad. Throw it in the trash, get another one. It's, it's weird. Cause I remember back in the day, I was so intimidated to even work on Fords because I was like, oh, Chevy, you know, it's easy. It's simple. And then Ford was always, they had like more valves, but like lower quality electronics. I thought, in my opinion, you know, you're talking 2002, 2003 was the kind of stuff i was working on they'd have these they had like they had engines that were okay they had the most valves on paper they weren't the push rod engines they they were the overhead dual overhead cam engines but then the electronics were way way more basic yeah i mean when i when i first started like really you know doing engine work at the dealership i was intimidated is all could be because it's it's chains and everything and it's like i'm like i'm not i don't what like chains i'd rather have gears and yeah my, 90, my 99 like... camaro was a push rod v6 i'm sorry guys it's a v6 not a v8 tough times but <laughs> it was uh it was like okay it's a cheap push rod design the 3800 you know v6 put it in everything but the electronics were better than the, what was available from Ford in 99. You had drive-by wire. You had a uh, uh, whatever. Every electronic was just easy to, you know, it routed real nice. It was easy to service. There was tons of room under the hood. And it was just, it was, it just made sense for a guy like me working on stuff, you know, limited money, limited tools. That, that was doable. Then you look at a Ford. I remember looking at a Ford Escape, like a 2005. I don't know. There's no room under the engine in the engine bay. (laughs) You can't get to the alternator. You got to take the tires off and something else is on the bottom. It's like, man. And then it's not drive-by-wire. It's a newer vehicle. It's not drive-by-wire. It's got a bunch of vacuum hoses and solenoids. and But it's got this dual overhead cam engine. Like on paper, it's so advanced. But then like when you work on it, it's like, man, this is complicated. Now, not, that may not be the case now. I don't know. When we've got Ford's a company that takes a lot of risk. They, they have very complicated things and sometimes maybe get a little bit of a bad rap just because they, they do take these risks as far as like even the EcoBoost technology is very, it's very risky. It's a very complicated. Uh, dude, the thing that annoys me more is 
every time they come out with a new iteration of the Raptor, like when they came out with it in what, 2015, 2017, you can't put a V6 in a performance truck. And then they're, you know, they do the update for this year and they do it again. They're like, that's not a real truck. The TRX is so much better. It's like, (laughs) will you guys just embrace change and like, except the fact that it makes more power than anything else in its class. And that EcoBoost technology is so much fun. I I imagine you guys know too, because you got those focuses, but. Well, dude, that's the thing is like, you can have like, look at this way. You can have a naturally aspirated V8 that makes. It doesn't compare. 350 horsepower. And that's all it's going to make. Or you get yourself a Raptor that makes 450 horsepower. Well, here's the and thing. That's, that's what Ford is like. We'll, well put it well, there and it'll live there for a very long well, time. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You could have a V8, a 5.0 that makes 400 horsepower, 400 foot pounds of torque. I think that's roughly what they make. They may make a little more now. Or you could have a 3.5 EcoBoost or 2.7. But the 3.5 makes, at the, the one I had made 470 foot pounds of torque and uh, like, 370 something like that horsepower but it didn't compare the the v8 didn't compare because you had to have so much rpm in order to have power you needed so much more rpm the the v6 made its power down low you could use it all day every day that's that snush what i mean extremely fun you can squeeze so much more power out of a turbocharged engine just because it's more fuel more you know you can advance time in whatever you it's want more you just, fuel more boost more and you're air, off to the races and it's more velocity in the cylinders well yeah it's like john and i you know with our little eco boost powered four bangers all we have to do is get a tune for it and we can just one wheel peel the thing for miles if we want yeah to. and <laughs> if you're going to compete with a company like gm that has a great v8 platform you're gonna come. You need to come with something more than just a 5.0 because they're bringing all this power with a pushrod V8, and that engine is great. It makes good uh, power down low and everything. It's cheaper to yeah. build. I mean, so I want. Like, I want your opinion, John. Would you say Ford's kind of an innovator in the American markets as far as engine technology and whatnot? It, it depends what you're talking about. I mean, they all got their strong points. You know, what GM has done with pushrod engines, pushrod V8s is amazing. You know, Corvette's still got a pushrod engine in it. Everybody else in the world has gone overhead cam, but like you guys were talking about, you go dual overhead cam, the heads are massive. They take up so much space. You know, look how low the front end of, well, not the C8 Corvette, you know, because the engine's in the rear, but if you look at a C7 and, and the earlier ones from that, look how low that hood is. There's a yeah. V8 under that thing. So they've That's done a great right. job yeah. with that. But I, I totally agree with you guys. When it comes to turbo engines, it's, it's look, the, the torque comes on at so much lower RPM. I think, Sean, you said that. And that's the beauty of supercharging or turbocharging or some that combine both supercharging and turbocharging. Hey, that's the benefit, too, of pushrod because they have some good low-end power. Still doesn't compare it to a turbo, but they're good low. A little bit better low, but the variable valve timing helps. But they're bigger; they're just bigger. I don't know if you can have that same hood in a Corvette without a pushrod engine, a pushrod V8. 
No, dude. The nope. biggest trip, the biggest trip for me is once that seven three came out, and yeah. we're looking in the engine bay, and we're like, "Oh, that's it's a cute little engine." Even Looks though like it's my a seven, yeah, it's like even though it's, it's a seven point three liter V eight, it just looks tiny even compared to like you know a five liter or you know the six eight that used to be in there it's just packaging wise it's so much smarter and you know almost reliability but john it's hard to say out of out of all your experience old to current problems to no problems what are your top three car manufacturers what's your favorite go-to top three car manufacturers that that you know that's funny no one's ever asked me that they always ask me what's the top three cars or what's the best car or something like that no one's asked what's the best car companies um you know they have their ups and downs you know right now general motors is doing so much so right ford i didn't like their last ceo and uh, he got them off in this crazy stuff. I never understood his vision. I do like Jim Farley. I think he's getting it really focused on, on what they've got to do. Now, the, the, the guy that I didn't like too much, uh, Jim Hackett, he did do some good things. I mean, stuff like the Bronco Sport and the Bronco started under him. Uh, the Mustang Mach-E. You know, they've got a little uh, pickup truck coming out at the end of this year called the Maverick. I'm sure yep. you guys know about that, too. Oh, yeah. And uh, so, you know, by the end of this year, Ford's going to look a whole lot better than it does right now. And, and when I yeah. say, you know, when I evaluate a company, I'm looking at, you know, it from a total business standpoint. Are they growing their revenue? No, Ford's not. Are they making money? No, they just lost a whole bunch. So, uh, you know, they had to clean out a lot of baggage. They're doing that. Uh, but right now in the U.S., I'd say GM is uh, in the lead right now um, yeah. uh, on a lot of things. I, I got to tell you, I'm really impressed by Tesla, too. I mean, I, I look at Tesla two different ways. I, I think they've got these amazing cars and this company that I don't know if the company's going to make it, but they've done some really interesting <laughs> stuff technologically. They changed the whole industry. Uh, they really did. They really did. And uh, you got to give them credit for that. And it'll be interesting to see how this Cybertruck does from a sales standpoint. You know yeah. that 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 could shake up the truck market. I but just don't see it happening. I think Elon Musk makes so many crazy promises. And then he doesn't do like his I, his goals are just so lofty. Where he ends up is down, and it's a little bit lower than what his goals are. But they're so lofty, he tries to reach them or whatever. But where he ends, where he lands, is still good, even yeah. though he doesn't. I mean, where is our cyber truck? Where is our uh, our high performance uh, roadster? Like he's just like, I'm gonna take orders. I'm taking orders. Well, I mean, a bullet. Need, someone asked. Someone asked. I think no. I was watching Joe Rogan and Elon was on there. He's like, "Why did you make it bulletproof? Because <laughs> because uh, it'd be cool. Like this guy's running a company. Because it'd be cool. He's running a company saying, oh, it'd be cool to make well, it dude, bulletproof.' I think He's like, yeah, but no one's shooting at I the th vehicle. Why would you go through the trouble? I like, think for 
Tesla, that's like part of the appeal is it's Elon. And people are like, well, if you know, Elon knows, yeah, I could, I could get one of those. It's kind of cool. It's just, a, I, I don't know, just looking at Elon Musk and just seeing that if you set your goal that high and go for it, you might end up somewhere all right, I guess. You might not reach your goal, but he's just trying to, he's, he's trying to go to Mars. He might not make it to Mars, but hey, he'll make it out there somewhere. You know, I don't know. John, do you see, do you see us totally going away from fossil fuel? Do you really Uh, think, maybe in our lifetime, but do you think like we're not going to be dependent on fossil fuel? Yeah, I think long-term, but you know, the piston engine's going to be around by the middle of the century. You know, I I don't think it's going to disappear, especially like you were talking in heavy duty you know, when, when you got a, a tow heavy loads, when you got big payloads to haul around, when you got to go long distances, really hard to beat the diesel engine right now. Now, having said that, if you want to talk short routes, you know, like you guys were talking utility trucks, you know, post office trucks, when you, you look at a lot of delivery operations that make a lot of stops, but they don't actually put on a whole lot of miles all day long and they go back to a yard every night where they can be recharged or home whatever. base. Yep. Yep. I mean, look, electric, you're going to see a lot of fleets looking really seriously at electric, no oil changes, no tune ups, no, your brakes last longer because with regenerative braking, you don't wear down the pads as fast. So when you look from a total owner's, Oh, and electricity, it's way cheaper than gasoline. So when you put the whole package together, yeah, right now, at least you pay more upfront for that electric. But uh, the total cost of ownership over a three to five year period is going to be cheaper. I think it'd be really good for electric vehicles to come in into our market, intertwine with what we're doing now and compete with fuel. And it'll make fuel cheaper. And for electric to be cheaper, you need fuel to compete against it. You can't make everything like you can't just force it all to be electric because then electric is going to be expensive. So I think the idea of getting off of fossil fuels is a great idea and it might be the right idea, but you have to really look at the big picture. Every single product that we have that we use, even the electric vehicle itself, technically is a fossil fuel product. And we have this like place, this point of like homeostasis where we burn fossil fuels. Yeah, but that's not the only thing we do with fossil fuels. We also make like nylon or plat. We make all these synthetic materials that weren't here before. They're all byproducts of fossil fuels. So even if we could eliminate fuel, we still will have fuel. It's still going to be somewhere because I don't know if you can make all these products when you get this, this oil or these, these uh, products from the ground, you don't get just what you want. You get the whole product and then you break it down and you make everything, the lubricants, the, the synthetic oil actually comes from fossil fuels. They they don't actually just make oil. They, they refine uh, conventional oils to the point where they're considered synthetic oils. Uh, all this stuff comes from fossil fuels. So if we could eliminate all of the gasoline and diesel, just, oh yeah, that's going to save the environment in theory, 
but where are you going to get all the other products from? Yeah. Mm, true. But, you know, Aaron, going back to your point there, uh, you know, the average truck and car in the U.S. right now is over 11 years old. And if you look at how long it takes to turn all the cars that are out there, turn them over, it takes 20 years. So a brand new 2021, whatever it is, rolling off the assembly line now, not going to really go to the scrapyard in, in many cases until 2041. So Unless they in, do cash for clunkers. Yeah, but you know, cash for clunkers only took a very small number of vehicles. In in terms of the total number that's out there, you know, there's about yeah. 280 million takes vehicles long, takes in the U.S. Time. Yeah, takes a long time. So that's why it's easy to predict the piston engine is going to be around a long time because yeah, it's not going to be gone point. by 2025. It's not going to be gone by 2030. Well, guess what? By 2030, I'm going to tell you, the cars and trucks that are built in 2030 are not coming out until 2050. So right, when you start yeah. looking at it that way, you recognize, yeah, we're going to go electric long-term. It's going that way. But the piston engine is going to be around for decades. It's an easy prediction. Well, it's weird how the future is. Like, it's hard to just predict the future based on what technology we have right now. Because we could be thinking, oh, electric in 30 years will take over. But there could be something totally different. There could be a whole nother, like, solution that comes around as that's just totally unexpected. Let's say they, excuse me. Let's say they're going to make uh, uh, okay. They got a hybrid F one fifty. Let's say they incorporated that technology into my favorite truck, the Super Duty. So now we have a a flagship truck with a diesel, and now it's going to have the same sort of capabilities as the F one fifty. So if if we had uh, I don't know, I guess what I want to say, just, like the Super Duty, comparing that to the F-150, if if we had uh, a different way to like market it, not market it, but like you're taking it to a job site, like John was saying, you don't want to haul in another freaking generator with you and all this other gear, like you got your tool you're driving, like, do we want that? I think Dude. that's just going to be a case of you don't realize how much you needed something until you <laughs> have it or like, wow, this really does yeah. make a lot more sense. And it kind of goes with, you know, we're seeing all these school buses now with propane engines that use a Ford powertrain. And dude, I look around, they're everywhere now and the entire school bus industry is shifting to that now because they're like well you know what it does make a lot more sense diesels are expensive as heck to buy and maintain and you just start looking at the advantages well it, well maybe the way it goes maybe it's going to be a death of the diesel engine in the heavy duty platform because if you look at going hybrid diesel it's it gets real squirrely because it's real expensive to do a diesel engine and then it's expensive to do a hot to do a hybrid so diesel hybrid, you got all this torque. You don't need another, you don't need another power adder to go along with the diesel engine. So maybe it would be just the fact of it that it being a super duty makes it a harder question. Because maybe it'll be a, a a high output gasoline engine with a 
with a uh, generator. I don't know. What do you think a choo choo train the, is? Big diesel the generator. Is, the thing is, though, well, is once you get well, hybrids, is you don't need a you don't need high output. That is your high output now. Well, it would have to be like, it could potentially be a, a situation where the diesel doesn't turn the wheels and it just generates electricity like a train where it just charges or generates electricity and it doesn't actually have a transmission and direct power to the wheels. There's just a big enough electric motor. I don't know, but I, mean, I wouldn't, but the, but the issue with the diesel is the emissions. It's oh, okay. You want to have, you want to have a hybrid with diesel emissions with uh, it's too, it's, it's a little bit, you know, it could be a way because a lot of people are getting away from the diesel engines because they're just irritated by the emissions and all that. So it's, it's probably like, uh, mission system on a vehicle is probably as expensive as a cheap engine or it could be, i wouldn't be surprised if that system is as expensive as a hybrid system or close to just all the different emission components when i think back to from from me uh growing up in in the business when the 2005 ford escape came out and its technology for being a hybrid when i look back now to then and i just drove a mach e matt knows what i'm talking about john i don't know if you've driven a mach e yet yeah no i've driven it extensively i cannot believe now i'm i'm a i'm a sucker for my diesels don't get me wrong but working on hybrids as well and electric vehicles i cannot believe the technology from then to now, like you would take off and uh, you'd go like a thousand feet in hybrid mode and then the gas engine would kick on. And I was like, oh man, that kind of sucked. And then they got better and then they got better. And then the C-Max came out and then it's like, oh man, I can I drive like 90 miles and the engine didn't even turn on. And now we got this thing. I don't know. How was that? It was pretty sweet, man. Dude, I fast. I didn't get to drive it on the road. I just went around our building, but I'm, I mean, I've, I've taken them out on the road and it's pretty sweet. John will agree with me. Like, I don't know if they ruined the Mustang name with it by doing it. I personally don't think they did. I think I think someone that's older than me that like, you know, grew up like, you know, we'll say my dad, for example, I the felt Mustang like that came out when he was a kid and he's like, that's not a Mustang. Yeah, and I'm like, I definitely nope, felt once, like that when they announced it, like they, did they ruin this? And once it was a he big gets issue. back in town, I'm going to chuck him in one of that thing in one of those. And I'm, I'm going to put it in unbridled mode and I'm going to put my foot to the floor and he's going to be like, okay, yeah, that's a Mustang. So, they didn't, so is that good? Is that fun and all that? Oh dude, they're awesome. And I think what's okay. happening with the automotive industry or a lot of things now, it's a classic case of, you know, the mailman thinking, well, what am I going to do now that email came out? Like, am I just, you know, out of a job, but it's just an adaptation that people kind of have to get used to that. It's, it's a little different for now, but once you start, you know, playing around with it, getting used to it. Yeah. But I got a question for you guys, you know, what do you think about these over the air updates? Cause you know, the F the new F-150 money, money grab allows it money grab uh, maki can be done it uh-huh you know what i think i think they're like taking cues from a industry trendsetter like tesla because they're coming in here and it's kind of like elon's overarching goal to introduce these electric vehicles not to prevent other companies from doing it because he actually wants them to do it because he wants to change the world 
And he's definitely doing that. And you look at over-the-air updates and a lot of other things that they're doing. Yeah, it's a way – Ford's not going to do a lot of these updates for free, I don't think. When I think over-the-air updates – They're going to charge. I think cybersecurity. I was kind of thinking the same thing. but Maybe. And it really – I don't want to say it worries me, but like – if we have to have all this mumbo jumbo and advance and, and uh, uh, Norton security and all this, like our cars don't have a firewall. I'm not renting an antivirus. Hold on. on, my Hold on. I don't mean to cut you off, but think about how hard it is and how encrypted all these systems are that it takes people sometimes years to crack the tuning on them. Now I know, I know, I already know what you're going to say, but I think to use it for the purposes of like someone to go in there and plant a back door to go in and screw with your truck while you're driving it. I, I'm sure it's a possibility, but I'm so, they so Aaron, do that, so, they wouldn't so do that without thinking about that. Am I, Aaron's am I worried there? about it. Matt's not. So would there be a vehicle that's like bare bones? Or maybe you keep an old Ford F-150, like a 98, just because you want something that can't be tracked and can't be hacked. And just even though it probably won't, you know what I mean? Uh, I'll put it this just, way, Aaron. Would you rather sit there and flick that key on and off like 20 times for 40 minutes? Or would you rather the customer just does it on their own? Because I'm looking at it in the, in the sense of updates, for the dealer are a giant waste of time it is but you know what yeah. somebody is going to take advantage of that and it's only mm, going to be a matter worry. of time you know what though aaron i wouldn't worry about that i'm not but it's it's uh, it's something if, if we're if our cars are going to be connected to the internet which they already are and if they're going to keep getting integrated and integrated there's going to have to be some sort of barrier or something um i know ryan was talking about uh, uh the tesla's running beta software and it's on the cars that they have currently on the road but if that were somehow to get it, do you think somebody's gonna hack something do you and think it's not it's gonna be matter, good. do you think it's a matter of national security well yes it is yeah, yeah. absolutely it is. <laughs> and so I, aaron you're absolutely right to worry about it and i tell you it's it's one of the number one issues in the automotive industry right now and there is a tremendous amount of research and development and all kinds of work. You know, we got the example of Tesla. You know, they've been doing over-the-year updates for a decade now. They've never been hacked. But, man, they spend a lot of effort to make sure that they've, they never get hacked. I'll give oh, you I one bet. example. They I borrowed bet. this from the computer industry. They have a, a bounty program. And they invite hackers to attack their system, both the corporate computers and their cars. Wow. And if you're able to get in and hack it and find a vulnerability and let Tesla know, they'll pay you a cash reward. You can earn up to $10,000 for finding a bug in their system. No so way. now everybody else is starting to do that sort of thing. And uh, the industry has formed what they call an ISAC, which is Information Sharing and Assessment Center. And it's where car companies, suppliers, the military's involved, it, because it is a national defense issue. What if somebody's able to hack into cars, 
uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you an ex example that was told to me on the 405 highway outside of Los Angeles, and you just brick every car. You would make the entire uh, economy of LA crash that yeah. day. Now imagine doing that around the country. So it's mm. an issue. It's a national security issue. Yeah, that's. I scary. would think it's more of a national security because they'd be like, someone would have to want to attack like the whole country, because why would any? I think of it like, why would anybody particularly want to hack my car? Maybe somebody would want to hack all the cars, but why my car? I don't. Not but, yours particular, but it's the same but, reason yeah, why we car, got guys yeah. going to the uh, 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 Chrysler dealerships, and in a matter of of seconds, they're they're manifesting another program key. Just ah. What if a guy? What if a guy can like pull up to your driveway, whip out his laptop, and then drive your car away because he can like tie into your server? That's next level. That's next level. If you can get in the car, there's nothing stopping you from driving away. All these cars got electric power steering, got electric, elect, well, sometimes electric's not your friend. So, I mean, yeah, that's definitely. What, what vehicle, shoot. What, what vehicle came out from Ford where they were, I think it might've been the Mustang, the new Mike E Mustang, where they were like, oh, we're taking orders. And you could yeah. reserve. Was it the Bronco where they were like, "Oh, you can put a hundred dollars down." Yeah, yeah, that's like all. I think every manufacturer is doing that now because they it's, see such a great benefit. Yeah, it. it's like um, they saw what Tesla's doing, and they're like, "Whoa, why aren't we doing that?" And they're like, "Let's take pre-orders on cars," but they at least deliver on the car. Like, where Tesla? Where's our cars that you promised? John, you said out of the the, the brands uh, that that you dig, uh, Tesla being one of them. Now we have another player in the game, Mach E. So, like, which one? Well, we, which one? You have the electric F one. You're going coming too. Yeah, you know, uh, Mach E is really good. I, I really enjoy driving the car a lot. I, I think it's going to sell pretty well. Uh, but is it going to create the buzz in the market like Tesla has done? I mean, people all over the world are crazy about Tesla. Uh, yeah. Crazy. You know, I like the cars. I'm not that crazy uh, about it. But I, I think the Mach-E will do well for Ford, but it's just a first step. They still, it, I mean, if you want to look at total efficiency, how many miles you get per kilowatt hour in the battery and stuff like that, how much over-the-air updates you can do and, and stuff like that. Ford caught up a lot, but they haven't caught up all the way to where Tesla is. Mm. They, they've still got a lot of ground to make up in, in that respect, but I do really enjoy the push from a lot of companies. Like we've got Rivian is supposed to debut or start delivering their trucks here pretty soon. And I don't, does anyone know what Nicola is doing way over in left field or I don't know, John, have you, have you heard anything from the Nicola, you know? Oh yeah. No, I, I, I had their, their crazy founder on my show, Trevor Milton. Oh wow! And uh, that was a hoot of a show, but yeah, look, Nicola's got their business plan is actually pretty good. Um, they're still going forward. They just had some announcement today or yesterday of uh, the progress that they're making with their fuel cell trucks. I mean, this is uh, a shot in the dark, but it's uh, 
it's a pretty interesting one. Uh, and they've got some pretty serious companies lined up behind them. You know, even though the founder turned out to be a flake, uh, <laughs> he actually had some pretty good ideas and he had some pretty good people working for him. They're still there. And so they're still making progress. Yeah, I mean, you know, for, for the sake of the technology that they're trying to get out into the market, I really want it to succeed. But it's just their shortcomings or I, I want it to happen, but I'm not sure if I see it happening. And I'm a little... I'm I'm hoping something something comes out of it, um, but I guess we'll just have to see what happens. I just don't want my my diesels to go away. As well, here's much a, as here. of a pain in the butt they are to me sometimes, and all of us around. Well, you're, uh, over, you're you're over there thinking to yourself, you're like, I finally bought one, and now it's uh, gonna go away. Well, here's an interesting point. You know, the high output Tesla, I think, is like the best dual engine all-wheel drive i think it's like p100d or something like that the biggest yep. baddest one when you look at the power output of that the torque it rivals the six seven like both engines combined when you put all the, thr the throttle i don't know what you call it it wouldn't be a gas pedal but uh it wouldn't even be a throttle it yeah, would be you, the accelerator pour the beans step on the it. accelerator Matt, that thing to the carpet that thing that yeah. thing is so fast it hurts <laughs> like it, when you go the full speed, it hurts. Yeah. It, it I makes feel your guts sick. still move. Uh, yeah, a it's like a shortcoming with electric vehicles now is um, how much power you lose when you put it in a performance mode. Like we put a Mach E, um, four EX or four X, the the higher kilowatt hour one in unbridled mode, and just mad at it and. It's not like you watch your range go down by single digits. It's like you just lost like 10% of your um, wow. your range just from just putting your foot to the floor for, you know, 10 seconds, which hopefully I'm, I shouldn't say hopefully technology will catch up with that. Most but definitely. It's, it's just something to like, remember, like, yeah, you can get the, p100 or 110d whichever one you're on but if you're driving around like that all the time you don't have your your full range so it'll be interesting to see how you know they decide to go about Conservative. that well Conservative. it's interesting it's interesting to think that the the high output tesla has a similar has a similar amount of torque as a six seven power stroke but think about I, I how think it's got more, more. Yeah. It, it might even have more. more right now yeah it does because it's been a couple it's been a couple years since i've looked into it but that's that's just electric it, it, it has in more general. torque but it's like if that system was in a heavy duty truck you literally would uh would have less weight limitations i mean a, a diesel engine's a, a, an extra 800 pounds so you have way fewer um yes, weight but, limit yes, limitations no, in a heavy duty truck you have to think the power power something the size of a medium duty truck you're going to need a very large battery pack and i think john maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong on this tesla recently came out with their numbers for the um they call it semi right for yep. their their electric truck and i think that it came way over what they were expecting it to be just because the weight, on, the weight the battery pack the weight of the semi yeah yeah i don't think but, they put out any official numbers yet but you know, look, batteries are heavy. There's no question about oh, it. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
engine transmission differential, you know, exhaust. Th that's that's heavy too, but batteries are heavy, man. Uh, now the thing is, they're not outrageously more heavy. You know, what a Maki is what. 4,600 pounds or something okay, like that. Not, that's, yeah, not too, that's not crazy. Considering their size, they're a stout, they're a stout vehicle. Right. And Sean, I got to tell you, I, I drove a P100D Tesla Model X, put it in ludicrous mode, and it is the fastest I have ever accelerated in my life. I've been yeah. in race cars. I've been in a dragster. <laughs> I have never accelerated that. It doesn't just push you back into the seat. It pushes all yeah. the blood to the back of your head. <laughs> wow. No, yeah. Dude, those I mean, I'm not exaggerating that. it. So, awesome. so this, and, and I timed it 2.9 seconds, zero to 60. Ooh. This is in a five seater family SUV. And they're coming out with the road or with uh, the plaid version of the model S and they're saying zero to 60, 1.9 seconds. That's that wow. is absolutely insane. Now see, like, I wonder with that tech, let's just take that whole car. Let's beef it up a little bit. Let's beef up the engines a little bit. Let's take that battery. Let's put it all in a Super Duty. And I'm sure there's going to be enough payload available for like a four-cylinder generator or a three-cylinder generator just to make it so we can go some long trips, gas or diesel, whatever. Maybe gas because it's cheaper. There's your, there's your hybrid, there's your hybrid uh, Super Duty right there. Oof. We're talking about some good stuff, man. I hope I hope anybody out there in Ford land uh, would be listening because we got some need good... to give your boy a promotion. Shoot, Which Jim one? Farley, I reached out to you. Which one? Instagram. Me? You're the one that's scared of electric vehicles. No, me. Oh, no. I'm there too. I'm at Ford too, bro. Sean's going to be uh, Ford Motor Company's new oil consultant. He is going to be the petroleum transfer engineer. I'm definitely going to make synthetic the go-to, the OEM spec for everything. All right. We do. We got to ask you because you're here, John. Are you running synthetic in all your vehicles? Uh, no. <laughs> Maybe I better reconsider. <laughs> we talk about it frequently here on the show. It's a you guys time. like synthetic, huh? Yeah, we like talking I, about um, uh, all that. I mean, if... I'll I'm, run synthetic and everything, but once you know. the price comes down, I'll run uh, full synthetic and everything I own. But until I then, I can't justify it. Not <laughs> with how frequent we're changing oil on things. You got a point. Like, okay, if price is your main concern, if you put conventional or whatever the minimal spec is, the engine's probably gonna be all right. At it's, least you're putting it's oil. Gonna be okay. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah. all right. It's gonna it's gonna last. I mean, I will say we've got a uh, half million mile transit in right now, and obviously that runs full synthetic, so I can't sit here and say, you know, don't run synthetic. We've also had, you know, million mile seven threes that run just good old 1540, so. Well, modern That's technologies made engines last a lot longer in its own, but so. But seven three from 2001 made it a million miles. It's pretty modern. That's what's up. Yeah, I guess you could say it is. That's what's up. It is what's up. I think this would be a great time to end this podcast. Oil talking and all. Uh, we want to thank John 
so much for uh, joining with us today. You guys uh, can check him out, um, uh, his website, autoline.tv, um, and see what he's all about. And uh, uh, we'll put a link to my email up here or below. And if you want to get on the podcast, uh, make sure to email me. We'll get you in the queue. We got a lot of guys filled up and we just sit and talk uh, what's important to us about our trucks and uh, uh, what, what's going on here in the, the automotive world uh, around us. So thanks so much for watching and we'll catch you guys all next time. Oh yeah.